You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we have a really, really interesting guest. Her name is Mary Hone, and she is a beater of Native American inspired fashion and accessories. And she wouldn't be here if she didn't also create for dogs and maybe cats and maybe other animals too. I don't know. We'll have to find out. But I'm very excited to talk with her today about her process, how she got inspired to create Native American fashion, and some of the beautiful work that she does. So stay put, stay tuned. We're going to take a commercial break and we'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. You love your dog and you want to spend as much time with him as you can. But in your car can be distracting and dangerous for you both. You want what's best for your dog and now you can give it to him. Pup Saver is the simple, secure solution for car safety. And now Pup Saver has optional seatbelt straps. Just move the passenger seat all the way back, pull the seatbelt out until it clicks or stops, then use the provided clip to lock the seatbelt at the retraction point. Attach Pup Saver's seatbelt safety straps and release the slack until just snug around the top. Then reclip at the seatbelt retraction point. Then latch the tether, which you've adjusted to the length of your dog's front legs, onto his harness or collar, and you're done! Your dog is comfy, secure against roaming, and still near enough to pet. In a sudden stop or impact, the Pup Saver will protect your dog from the dashboard and windshield by enveloping him like a catcher's mitt and staying securely on the seat. Secure, safe, simple Pup Saver. For more information, go to PupSaver.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. With us now is Mary Hone, a designer of beautiful Native American-inspired fashion and accessories. Hi, Mary. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Jody. Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. There are so many things I want to ask you, you know, just to sort of tell our listeners about how I found you. We were at a conference recently, Mary and I, called Blog Pause, and it's for people who blog about their animals, which both of us do. And we were introduced by a, I can't say anything other than fabulous mom of a Pomeranian named Sophia Loren, who is one of the fashionistas that I've mentioned in another show and who we will definitely be having on Bark and Swagger. And when I saw some of the things that Mary did, I was just blown away and said, I really, really want to have you on on the show and also to feature you on BarkandSwagger.com. So I'd love to know how this all started for you. How did the beating begin for you? Well, I actually began beating, oh gosh, it had to be been 25, 30 years ago. I wow. went into, yeah, I kind of went into a beating store when I was living in Wyoming at the time. And I was interested in the products that they had. And I picked up some beads and I got a book and got the tools that I needed and went home and basically read the book and taught myself how to do the beadwork a little bit. And at the time, I didn't do very much with it. I wasn't very motivated then. I just 
played a little bit here and a little bit there. And then I got reignited with it about eight years ago when I met my current husband. He had been involved with doing mountain man rendezvous activities when he was younger with his kids. And I had always wanted to go to one of those. And so we went. And What is that? What is mountain man? We go and redo the reenactment for the mountain man time frame, which is the early to mid 1800s, kind of the 1840 uh-huh. time range. It was the group of men that came from the east. Most of them worked for the Hudson Bay's company, and they were. It was when the big beaver boom was going, and everybody wanted the coats and they wanted the hats. And so these men would just trailblaze their way out here to the west, and they would trap the beaver, and they befriended the Indians, and they would get together and have rendezvous then and do trading with people from back east that wanted their product and the Indians that would bring them different things. And, and so what hmm. we do these reenactments is kind of all of that time frame. So naturally, there is a lot of Native American-inspired beadwork at these events, and that really reignited my interest in doing the beadwork, and I started up again. Ah, and why the affinity for Native American culture? I have had an affinity for Native American culture and art since I was just little. I mean, little. Really? Yeah, always. How did you first get introduced to it as a youngster or a child? Gosh, I, you know, I don't even really know. I grew up in Utah, so there is a Ah. little bit here, not a lot. I think I just started kind of learning on my own. I would find books or watch things on TV or movies as a child growing up, and the more I became interested in it, the more I learned, and as I got older, I became more a student of the actual lifestyle altogether as far as their art and the way that they lived and the way they interacted with Mother Earth and each other, and I've just always had a huge affinity for that culture and an interest for it. For the pieces, when I was doing some research on your work, I understand that you do contemporary things, but you also do reproductions of traditional pieces from these authentic items found in museums throughout the country, and I found that really, really fascinating. Tell us a little bit about your process, your inspiration, what your process is. Well, if I decide that I'm going to do a traditional piece, we have been to several museums around the country that have extensive collections. There's one in Cody, Wyoming, the Plains Indians Museum. It's part of the Buffalo Bill Historical Center that's there. And they have an enormous collection. And a lot of their collection is online. And we also have a book that's from that museum. Um, I have several books that I have got from different museum exhibits that I keep. Plus, the big museum in Washington that I would really like to go to, they've got a big online exhibit as well. And so if I have an idea, okay, I want to make a pipe bag or I want to make a possible bag or moccasins, I will look in my extensive collection of books. And then I'll also do an online research and I'll get ideas for patterns and colors and what I think will work. Some of the items I will reproduce just how they were made and some of them I will do kind of how they were made and maybe do a little bit of my own color or my own pattern twist on them. And first of all, is there a website for people that are interested in exploring these museums and the collections that they have that you might direct people to that you would recommend? I would recommend, like I said, the National Native American Museum that's in Washington has an enormous, extensive collection online. That's a really good place to start. 
Okay, so great. The one in Wyoming, the Buffalo Bill Center, their Plains Indians Museum as well is online. And so that's a good, that's a really good place to start. Okay. Um, there's several. If you just do a search, you can find some. Wonderful. And in terms of the colors that the traditional items have that were used and the colors that you choose, is there any significance with the colors of beads that the Native Americans put together? Is there meaning behind why they did what they did, why they chose the materials they chose? A lot of the colors do have a significance. The blue obviously represented the sky to them. And the Plains Indians particularly were very fond of using the blue. The green there again would represent Mother Earth because of the the green and the earth and the leaves and the grass. So generally speaking, the earlier bead patterns were more dictated by the beads that were available to them as far as color-wise. When the beads first started coming across the plains and getting to the Indians, they were kind of limited to the colors that they had, so they would just work with what they had. Interesting. And you write extensively about the attraction to antique beads, too, and how every bead has its own history. You also said something about their back in the day, the group of beaders, they almost had their own code of almost like a secret society. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that, well, that mostly applies to what we term as trade beads these days. It's the, the bigger beads, not necessarily what you would use to actually do the beading, but what I would use as embellishment on some of the bags that I create. The, <laughs> the Venetians in the 1700s are the ones that developed the glass beadwork shops, and they would have artisans. It was basically a cottage industry back then, and they would have artisans that would work on one particular type of a bead. So these old trade beads that we have now, each one of them was created by hand individually. So each little bead is its own little work of art. And the Venetians had a corner on the market back then, and they wanted to keep it that way. And so they would threaten the people that worked in their own tiny little factories. You cannot divulge our secrets because we don't want the rest of the world to be doing what we're doing because what they had found was that they could take these massive amounts of beads and they would take them to Africa and they would trade them for gold and ivory and unfortunately slaves. Mm. And that is why today all these trade beads are now coming out of Africa because that's where they were taken to. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. On a little bit of a lighter note, you make some beautiful pieces for pets. Tell us about what some of those pieces are, how you sort of got involved in designing and creating for pets. Well, the first thing I ever did for a pet was my small dog, Roxy. When we would go to our Mount Man Rendezvous events, I wanted her to have a little fun something to wear. So I created just a small little cape thing that I beaded around the edge, and it would fit over her harness, kind of hide the harness. And I could still have her on her leash, and she looked quite attractive, and everybody liked it. And then I started doing some beaded dog necklaces. They're not really a color. They're more of a necklace, and I can do those in all different colors, and those have been fun. A lot of people and dogs have liked those as well. And then I I got the idea actually from Sophia Loren's mom. She had requested some kind of a dog jacket, a beaded dog jacket. She was going to a film festival in Albuquerque that was run by Robert Redford. Wow. So I put my thinking cap on and came up with a little fringed doggy jacket with some beadwork and 
And that was the very first one that I made was the one that I made for her. And she actually gave that one to Robert Redford. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that wasn't the one that she was wearing at Blog Pause. That was a different one. Yeah, that's the second one. She says, well, now I need one for Sophia. (laughs) (laughs) So I made another one for her to have for Sophia. And then I wanted to have one for Roxy as well, for her to wear. So I did the one that Roxy has. has got that floral pattern. The flowers. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so that's a little bit different. So that's that's really how it all started. Fantastic. And, you know, you can see the vests that Sophia Loren and Roxy are wearing on the Pet Life Radio site on the Bark and Swagger page. They are really, really pretty, as well as some other things that Mary has created, which are absolutely beautiful. You have beaded jewelry, you have purses, wall hangings for people. Did you ever do any matching pieces for a pet and their human? I have done the beaded collars that I've done. I've done some sets as a the human can have the bracelet and the dog can have the little beaded necklace. I've done some of those as a matching set. I that's would, cool. Yeah, that's really fun to do because they those are very cute. I would like to do a matching dog jacket with say a, a beaded bracelet for the human or I also make some cell phone bags that you can kind of carry around your neck that are beaded. I'd like to do a set like that for somebody. That's wonderful. Well, we'll have to talk about that. (laughs) Do you have any favorites in terms of pieces that you've created that you feel maybe more of an affinity towards? Maybe there's a story behind one or something like that? Uh, Probably my the funnest piece I did, and I really didn't do a lot of beadwork on it. I did just build the dress. Was when Alan and I decided we were going to get married. We wanted to have kind of a natural kind of a mountain man wedding theme and so I wanted to have a white buckskin dress so I got the leather yeah it came out really pretty made the white buckskin dress did just a little bit of beadwork on it kind of beaded a little medicine bag that went along with it so that was probably one of the, the things that I have a personal affinity for understandably had you ever made clothing before you decided to work with leather to make this buckskin dress No. And in fact, I can't sew to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) Some project to start on, your wedding dress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if somebody asked me to make a dress on a sewing machine, there's just simply no way. (laughs) But if you gave me the leather and said, okay, this is what I need, that I can create. I don't know what the difference is, but I, I can't sew on a machine. Well, I want to hear more about how you put this dress together, but we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to find that out, as well as some other really interesting things about what Mary does. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's dinner time. In America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert-recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com, P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. 
Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the tales of the city. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back. Welcome to Bark and Swagger, all about pet fashion. And we're here with Mary Hone, who makes beautiful, beautiful Native American-inspired pet and human, well, pet clothing, and then accessories for pets and humans. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. So you were telling us about how you, not knowing how to sew, which I can relate to because when I started in pet fashion, I didn't know how to sew either. But your first job that you gave to yourself to make actually a piece of clothing like a dress was for your wedding dress. Wow, that's a big leap of faith. How did you do it? (laughs) <laughs> it was a wedding dress and high-top moccasins. It was both. So. Oh, my goodness. Tell us how you did it. If you don't sew on a sewing machine, how did you make this dress? Well, it's, it's actually a little bit different when you're working with the leather because the Native Americans, they obviously, they sewed everything by hand. Um, right. And I did have a little bit of a help with my husband because he had done some stuff when he was doing rendezvous years and years and years ago. So he had a little bit of a knowledge base there. So I researched what the dress needed to look like. There was different styles of clothing from different tribe to different tribe. I've always had an affinity for the Plains Indians, particularly the Sioux. So I wanted to go with that style of clothing. And And what is that style like, if I might ask, as opposed to others? Their clothing was like a dress would be basically what you would call a three-high dress. And they would take two hides would make the bottom part of the dress, and then a third hide would make the top part of the dress. And you can just sew all those together and do your things work on them. And that was the type of dress that I wanted to make for the wedding. So I know a guy here in Utah, and he helped me find some nice white hides. And I got the hides and just did a little bit of research on how the dress needed to go together and cut it out and put it together. (laughs) Wow, you're making it sound simple. I'm sure it wasn't that simple, but you did a beautiful job. (laughs) Beautiful job. And everyone can see your wedding dress picture and a picture of you and Al, your husband. Both of you all dressed up in full wedding regalia on the Pet Life Radio site on the Bark and Swagger page. And it is very, very cool. Is Al wearing, he looks like he's wearing um, maybe buckskin pants. And, and what kind of a, what is that, what would you call it? Like a, you know, the uh, that sort of mat or thing hanging down from his waist. What is that? Uh, that's actually a breech cloth. And 
what the Indians have, the, they're not pants so much as they're leggings. So there's no middle part of the pants. So ah. The leggings come up, and there's a belt that holds that all up. And then the breech cloth is what they wore that would go between your legs and up the back and kind of hang out your bum and then out the front and hang out that direction. Does that make sense? It does, because I'm looking that's at the picture. <laughs> fabric, right. So that's a whole separate piece of fabric. And there again, that's traditional Plains Indian style would be that style of dress that he's wearing. And of course, he's wearing a nicer shirt because it was our wedding. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. And your husband, Al, is an artist as well. He creates sculptures. Yes. He works, what, what are they, in bronze or yeah, wood? Yeah, he does. Well, he does both, actually. Mm. He started out doing the bronze sculptures. He started out doing uh, hand-carved furniture pieces, and that's kind of evolved into doing the wood sculptures, and that evolved into doing the bronze sculptures. Very interesting. Now, you have a site that was called Roxy the Traveling Dog about your adventures, because you and Al lead a very interesting life. You don't stay in one place very long, but you've just changed the name to Tales from the Back Road, Art, Travel, and Live in the Life. And you've got a little graphic of pickup truck pulling a little trailer and your two dogs, Roxy and Tori, you know, sort of on the side. And it's all about your life, I guess, sort of on the road. Tell us a little bit about that and how that might have inspired what you create. Well, we started two years ago. We decided to just sell our home and hit the road. We had, well, we do have a fifth wheel trailer. And that the hardest part was getting everything out of the house and organized and what we had to have in the trailer. But we basically traveled to art shows. We traveled to our mountain man rendezvous, kind of in the summer part. Gosh, it's, we enjoy going different places. We will summer up in Wyoming, the wildlife the mountains, it's almost impossible to not be inspired to create art when you're up there. I bet, yeah. Surrounded by all that beauty. It's just amazing. And then in the wintertime, the last two winters we've been down in Arizona, which is just as equally beautiful, just in a different way. And there again, that's very inspiring. Some of the pieces that Alice created more specifically with the sculptures, he does a lot of wildlife sculptures. He's done some fabulous Native American pieces. So those areas are definitely an inspiration for what we create and what we do. Wonderful. And Roxy and Tori have the fashions. I mean, I'm sure they're two of the best dressed, you know, dogs in terms of these Native American, very, very awesome pieces. I'm sure you've made some really amazing things for them. Have you gotten those pieces out, you know, into the world in terms of have they appeared in shows? Has Sophia Loren, we know that Robert Redford has a piece, which is fantastic. Has Sophia Loren worn her piece in a show maybe, or have, you know, have they sort of gotten out there on, on any runways? Um, not on any runways that I know of. I know the original piece that I made for Sophia Loren that she took to Albuquerque, she did wear there, and then they ended up giving it to Robert Redford. Her mm-hmm. new piece that she currently has, I don't believe has been in any shows, but I could be mistaken. I don't know for sure. I know she was strutting it at Blog Paws, so she That's definitely it wears it out and yes. about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, our time is just about up. And I'm sorry to say that, Mary, because it's been really, really interesting talking with you. I I think what you do is just very, very special and is very unique. And I'm very excited to uh, continue to see what you create and to learn more about your adventures, you and Al and, and the pups. 
So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. I want to also thank our producers for making the show possible. And Mary has two sites that you should definitely check out. One is, is it still called Roxy the Traveling Dog? Or is it now, can you put in talesfromthebackroad.com? And you can. The Backroad is the new, it just actually changed today. Okay, well, congratulations. It looks really great. And then you also have a site that showcases, specifically showcases your design, your beading design pieces, and also Al's artwork. And why don't you tell our listeners what that is so they can find you there? Okay, my website for the beadwork pieces is desertravenart.com. And for Al's sculptures, it's just alhone.com. Wonderful, and that would be H-O-N-E for home. So thank you very much, Mary. It's been wonderful, wonderful having you here. It's been fun. Stay tuned for more exciting stuff about fashion in our next show. We look forward to seeing you there. So until next time, this is Jody Miller-Young reminding you for fierce fashion, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.